From InsureTech Ireland, this is InsureTech Radio. I'm Connor Sweetman. This week's guest is Marvin Mensa, and he has just founded a company called Go Underwrite. Here's Marvin. Awesome. So my name is Marvin Mensa. I am the founder and CEO of Underwrite. So Underwrite was created to help insurance agents and underwriters better validate our clients' business operations so that we write the most accurate policies. So the standard way we do it today is the client tells us what they do. And then sometimes we go based on their word and provide them coverage. But sometimes people take a little further to do like Google research to see if they can uncover anything and then write the policy. And I just feel like that is inefficient. The way that we write policies today, what if we're able to gain data from the clients based on what people have said on reviews, what they have posted, what they have included in their information to the state of secretary or even to the commerce department so that we can validate what they do so that we write the most accurate policies for cool. them. Um, that's why we exist. How, how does it, or how has it felt uh, saying things like, I'm the founder and CEO? It's awesome. I mean, I love it. Uh, I mean, growing up, I always wanted to be CEO of a company. I don't know why. Even when I was like 13, 14, like I always tell myself, I'm going to become like CEO of Ford. Because those are like the big old company. Like, I'm going to do well in school. I'm going to go to the best schools, get the best grades. I always had that mindset to do that. That's the reason why I went to Target. Because <laughs> I felt like, all right, I'm going to go to Target. I'm going to work on the best organizations. And then I'm going to jump to another company. I'm going to get my MBA from a top school. I always wanted to be CEO. I don't know. I just, I just love running things. Even when I was in school, I was... Even the football team, the intramural football team, I was the captain of it. I just love to lead. Cool. And like, did, do, organization. You, and like do, do you remember, like, was there a particular moment, like when you were a kid? Uh, do you remember any particular story uh, that reminds you of that? I mean, the one, I, I feel like the intramural football one is when I goes back to it. Because usually the way intramural football works is that, quote unquote, we don't practice. We just show up and play. And I tell the guys, hey, guys, you know, for us to win, we need to practice. Let's put together a place. I was usually our games are on Tuesday, and I'm like Wednesday. Hey guys, we need to meet up. We need to touch base on what happened on Tuesday. Let's practice on Thursday. Let's practice on Sunday after because Sundays nobody's doing anything, and then let's get ready. So it's just like grabbing people. It's like hey, you gotta come to practice. Some of them were my sweet mates. We have to go and practice, otherwise we're not gonna do well. So that's just that motivating. And bringing people together for a common goal—that's what motivated me. Cool, that's awesome. Um, so we spoke for a little bit last week, and you told me the start of the origin story of yeah. Underwrite. So, uh, what happened last? Uh, was it December, or January? You got yeah, into a bit of trouble in your old job. Yep. It was. Yep. Yep. Oh gosh, it was a bad way to start the new year. So <laughs> towards the end of December, I was helping a client get insurance. So we work with like a major insurance company. And one thing was the client lied to me of not having coverage that carrier already. So I'm like, oh, wow, this is a really good rate we're able to get from this carrier. Let's just go with it. So I went with this carrier. And then the next day, literally one of the area supervisors reached out to the director of the company, not even a sales director, like literally the president of the company saying that one of your sales reps we wrote a policy with the same carrier when 
another broker already wrote the positive was this is bad. It's unacceptable. The broker is upset. And in essence, it was really escalated where Marvin, we have to make an example of you because it's not fair because well. we specifically told the sales team to make sure that you know where the previous carrier was. And I did not do a really good job of finding out who the previous carrier was. So in essence, they suspended me for two weeks without pay. Wow. <laughs> and I was just like, and I was just the way back home on a bus. Cause you, when you work in a city is horrible to drive into the city. It's just, it's a pain. So on the bus, I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, how can this happen? Like literally I could have gotten fired. Like technically they did suspend me because I was a good person. I was a good employee. I'm one of the top sales reps. So they didn't want to fire me, but technically they would have fired me. And I'm on a bus. I'm like, why did this happen? Like, why did it, it just, I was really upset at myself. And I just started thinking, it's like, what if I could have done research on this client? Would a Google help me? I just started thinking like other ways. What if moving forward, this doesn't happen again? Cause I was scared. Cause when I came back, it's like, I was like terrified. Cause I knew like one little mistake, like I'm gone. And I realized like I need to come up with a solution that's going to help me like keep my job and <laughs> <laughs> not making mistakes like that. And then, so what in that two weeks I was home, like it was like going to gym, coming back, just researching like what platforms are out there where you can learn about businesses. So for example, like the review sites, let's say your contract you got to have information on Tumtag, you have information on Google reviews, uh, Yelp, all these review platforms. Otherwise, it's hard for you to get business. Yes, and I realized that what if we're able to aggregate these information from all these platforms, present it to the user in a nice user user UI so that the insurance agent can know what the client is doing based on what third party is telling them. Yeah, so I started building out the APIs, hired a couple of developers to help me. And then it took us like three, four months. And then we launched it close to the end of April going into May. Wow. So I, myself, a couple of coworkers used it. It was really good. And then verified it with other agents in my community. And people mm-hmm. say, yeah, I'll, I'll buy. And they say we'll use it, but like, I don't know if they'll, the money, because originally the price was kind of high and then I decreased the price to make it more attractive. But yeah, it's, it really helped me out too. It's like when I'm speaking to clients, it kind of tells me, especially one particular client was telling me, oh, I want to do like painting, I'm like, really? I put his information. I found out he was doing like drywall, roofing. I'm like, come on. (laughs) So that right there, if I made a mistake on that one too, that looked really bad. And so um, so like you mentioned a a second person. So did you get, did you get in touch with a co-founder or? So originally I had a friend I'm really close with. He's more of a data scientist. So I wanted his data perspective on like what to do because the software helps out with businesses that have information out there. So if you are a new business, it's kind of difficult because we don't have no information on you. So I want to bring them in to say, hey, let's say we were able to ensure, we're able to have information on certain contractors, let's say in, in this particular area in Queens, Queens, New York. And let's say new contractor in the same area comes around. How will we provide analysis on that client? So I want him from his data science perspective Tell me. So right now he currently has a lucrative job working for one of the big banks. 
So he doesn't really want to quit his job until he sees traction in the company. So ultimately, I'll bring him on, but I am still like owner of the company. But I will give him equity as he comes on. So it's it's just you and him at the moment, and you're in the trenches. Yep, I'm in the trenches. So I was kind of like doing the same thing too, like managing the business on the side. So originally, like work Monday to Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., come home 7 to like 10, work kind of startup. And I realized that just having to speak to customers, like literally on my work and have to go out of work to speak to customers, it's just, it's just not right. It's just it's not right, especially have to, I want to dedicate my full time to the job I'm at. Fair play. And I realized that that's pretty brave. Aside from me, yeah, aside from the car bait, and, and so, focus on this full time. So you had this seed of an idea on the bus on the way home uh, f- uh, from work that day. So yeah. what what was the next step? Yep. So the next step was to build an MVP because I love this book, Lean Startup, like Eric Ruiz. Actually, the founder of the current of the previous company I worked, I gave me that book to read. So I was actually reading it during the break too because yeah. I thought that. All right, build out the solution, spend money, and then launch out there. I realized that you have to get validation first. So I used Wix to build like a mock-up website and just sent it to like 20 agents and also call agents as well to say, hey, if a particular solution was to be developed where it allows you to aggregate information all over the web about your clients, will you use it? And if so, how much money will you pay for it? So yeah, just like validating with the clients and then showing them the nice UI from Wix. They said, oh, wow, I would definitely want to use that. It was like literally a mock-up where like one page would show the website and then the next page would show like the results. It's said, uh, we, cool. we use an example like this. And they say, yes. I'm like, all right, now let's go and build it. And sorry, you have to forgive me. Um, in the United States, there's agents and there's brokers. Uh, what's the difference between the two? Yeah, so I'll explain to you. So Agents work for brokers. So when you become a new agent, you have to work for a broker. It's like real estate. So in essence, a broker is a group of agents working together. So, so in our, yeah. So like so, Aon, for example, or Willis, uh, are they? Do, do the agents work with them, or how, how does it work? Yeah. So Aon is uh, is a different. <laughs> it's kind of a different animal. Uh, I mean to say it that way. So Aon is a broker. Yeah. So if a broker, agents work for brokers. You see my yeah. point? So in essence, I can't sell insurance unless I'm part of a brokerage. Okay. So you need to be part of a brokerage, you know, for you to sell insurance. And are you independent then as an agent? Yeah. So I did start my own. It's called an MGA. It's called Managing General Agency. So it's part of the software. So actually, a great story. I was speaking to a reinsurance company. So I made a post out and said, hey, Underwrite has launched uh, free user, free trial of us. He reached out to me and said, Marvin, I love your idea. Your idea would be really good if you became an MGA. And I'm like, uh, do I really want to become an MGA? Because one thing about MGA is that they have high regulatory requirements when it comes to, especially when you're dealing with non-emitted markets. And non-emitted is like high risk, let's say yeah. like manufacturing, con- like little more high risk you have to collect certain paperwork for the state you have to hold it for five years you have to collect certain taxes stamping fees and yeah i just like oh the mga <laughs> and i started thinking about it more and i realized yeah this is actually be a really good solution because 
with an MGA, the insurance carrier gives a pen to them to underwrite policies on their behalf. And by general, but with underwrite, underwrite enables us to validate our clients much better. So we have the ability to write better policies. So the software allowed us to build an MGA as well too. Wow. So yeah, so it's two, two parts of the business. One is the software and the other part is the MGA. So you've gone from minimum viable product to MGA, yeah. MVP yeah. to MGA. Yeah. I had to study for the license too. Oh, New wow. Jersey. Yeah. So I'm working on getting New York and then the neighboring states as well. So how did like, so you had the minimum viable product, it comes back and they're, and they're like, yeah, this seems pretty good. Yeah. And then what, what do you do then? Yep. So the next thing I did was I tried to build it myself. So I actually taught myself programming, like HTML, CSS, JavaScript. I was trying to build it out and I realized, like, wow, this is very difficult. This is not like, because I built like simple websites. Knew, huh? Yeah. Because I actually built a previous website to help individuals who like finance to learn from top investment, what you call it, professionals. But that was kind of easy. Just like literally have the videos, they click the video, they watch it, they can make comments. But this one is like connecting APIs from like different platforms to pull data and then make sure it's a nice UI format. If there's no data on that particular client, what statement do you provide? And I'm like, I cannot do this alone. So I actually work with a development firm called Kepler Code. And they in essence built the website out. I was just like, wow, this is it's really good. Like so originally, it. I was trying to build it myself, and I just couldn't do it. So I worked with a software development firm. And is it expensive? Uh, not really. Actually, oh. not really. That surprises me. Yeah, not really. Cool. Yeah, it, it seems to be... It's funny. I think most people have an idea, and they'll... Oh, that wouldn't... And they'll probably be speaking down in the bar or whatever over a few drinks. And they yeah. say, oh, we should do this, we should do that. But then they don't do it. Because yeah. they probably assume it's either going to be too hard mm-hmm. or um, uh, or they're just not bothered. But you've kind mm-hmm. of proved that you can do both. You can do both. But one thing, too, that did help me is that just having that mindset of knowing how to program. Even though yeah. the API aspect was kind of difficult, I, I, the way I drew up the, what you call it, the MVP, and also, because I had to give them like a layout of what I wanted, like which sources I want to get the information from. Mm-hmm. And would you call it, gave them the APIs to do so? That helped a lot. Because if you don't really have that like software engineering background, it does make it a little more difficult yeah. if you know what you're doing. Yeah, and I suppose I don't know if you know how to talk to these guys, yeah. to give them the instructions as such. Yep. yep um, so, like, can you describe the website for us? So, like, say I'm, a, I'm an agent and I'm looking to use this. Uh, you know, what do I see on the program? So originally when you log into their website, it's going to be a simple website. It's going to say underwrite, uh, save time from web searching, more time per quarter. And then it'll give you like three uh, bars. So one bar would be the business name. One would be the phone number and the zip code. The reason why we use those three criteria is that a lot of business kind of have similar names, especially with contractors. So maybe like John Landscaping in mm-hmm. New York and it'd be the same thing with John Landscaping in New Jersey. So, we use the phone number because no phone number is the same to isolate it and also the zip code too. Good idea. So in essence, you put the business name, you put the business phone number, and then you put the zip code. And then you search. 
And what our software does is that it aggregates information from multiple platforms and it presents you the information. We present you reviews, we present you the services that they offer, the social media accounts, so like Facebook, if they have Instagram, we'll show Instagram as well too. And also pictures that people have posted. Because the picture says a thousand words, especially for contractors. Because if a contractor comes to you saying that, I don't do roofing, and you see a picture taken by one of your customers, them on the roof doing a patch or any mm-hmm. like roofing work, it's like, John, you do roofing. I see pictures of you doing the roofing work. So I need to include that in your coverage. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I can see that that would be really helpful. So, uh, you know, I've been, I have been an underwriter for about 10 years and I, um, that's usually my default thing. As soon as I get a submission or uh, application form in, I'm straight on, to, I'm just Googling the name. I'm looking through the news. I'm trying to find their LinkedIn page. I find that pretty helpful. Mm, yeah. And, and I think, um, particularly if, so a lot of the stuff I used to underwrite were, was technology companies. So a lot of the times it, I, I'm not a, software developer so i don't really understand a lot of times what they're yeah. saying on their website so but i found that when you go into say linkedin they only have like a certain amount of characters they can use so they t- so they tend to explain things a lot more succinctly and a lot more clear mm. and uh so like so i found using sources other than the submission really helpful when i'm trying to understand risks yeah I mean, we're actually looking into linkedin too in regards to aggregate information especially for like EPLI, employment practice liability insurance, like how many employees? Good idea. Because in essence, if you don't like that, you want to post, hey, I work for this company. So it's a little more accurate. And do you have to as pay as, the like the likes of LinkedIn and Facebook to yeah, scrape their data? It depends. So it depends how much volume you use. So if you use a lot of volume, you do have to pay for it. And when you say volume, is that like um, how many times your api goes into them or do you have to pay like once let's say for example like reviews so google has like a certain amount of reviews you can use so if you go above that certain reviews then you have to pay for it yeah cool yeah. cool so how's business been business has been good so i've had a lot of people trying out now it's just to convert them to campaign customers so one thing is because as you stated the old ways of doing it is like you're googling and a lot of times it takes time from you. What if we're able to improve that process, make it much more quick and simple? That's basically what I need to explain to a lot of the users because people are using a free trial and we want to do a better conversion from free trial to paying customers. And just, just a lot of education, like following up with emails, saying, just showing them like what benefits they gain from it compared to just like Googling themselves. Yeah. So what's your day-to-day been been looking like then the last couple of months? Yeah. So day-to-day, aside from training in the morning <laughs> for the 10K coming up, just writing a lot of blogs, uh, just doing a lot of what you call the media stuff. Now, that's one thing I realized too, because coming from like a finance background, I just realized this, this is a lot of it has to do with marketing. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what does the number say? But it's just doing a lot of marketing when it comes to like reaching out to like influencers. Cause in essence, are you familiar with like the technology adoption curve where no. like you have the early, you have the innovators. Oh yeah. Those are the people early are, like, adopters. Way, yeah. Early adopters. So yeah. that's my goal the past month after stepping up for my job is just finding them. So a lot of my influencers, so it's, just reaching out to them. Hey, is there any chance you can use my product? 
And then if you, if the product is helping you out, do you mind posting? Like, for example, Agency Nation, I'm trying to reach out to them. Hey, do you mind using my product and then saying something about it? And just more like the influencers that people follow, reaching out to writers of like digital insurance, carrier management. It's, in essence, that's the way it works. Cause you have to get them first. And then there are certain people like the early majorities. And that's why I realized in the beginning, I was like focusing, I'm just going after everyone, just like cold calling people. It's like, no, we don't have a need for it. No, we don't have a need for it. We don't really do that. It's just, he's just like throwing darts and just, and not hitting anything. And I realized like, I need to focus on certain people who are more of like the innovators and risk takers. Cause when they start using it and they start seeing their business improve, decrease in misclassifications, then other people will start using it. And what are the implications for an agent if they misclassify um, uh, uh, risks? They lose your appointment. Yeah, it's just point blank. So if you get to like a certain level of misclassifications, number one, you lose the trust of the underwriters. Because hmm. I remember in my previous company, I don't want to go in depth on it because they might be listening to it, <laughs> is that we had a, an individual who just was not properly like following up what their clients do. And then yeah. his classification was high to a point where there was an email sent by the underwriter to another underwriter, but she mistakenly included us in an email. Cause it's like, usually when underwriters want to send a message, I was, Hey, I'm going to be out of the office today. She sends like that one like group email, but she made a mistake, including us in that email to the underwriter saying that any like quote or any like application that comes from this guy, look more into it. I don't trust anything that he writes. And it's just like, Whoa. Wow. That is. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, and it just looks so bad. He actually got let go too. It's just, it's, yeah, it's wow. not pretty. So it's pretty we, serious. Yeah, we did lose appointments too. It's just, it's the nature. It's like our job is to make sure that we write accurate policies because when it comes like admitted markets, literally they're giving us the agent portal to go into the portal, trusting us that we're going to write accurate policies. And if we don't do all due diligence and verifying what these clients do, like shame on us. It's like, yeah. And then yeah, the definitely. underwriter, and then they do audits as well too. And then they find out that, Oh no, this guy does more than what he's saying. And then they will have to like adjust the coverage and then the ink premium goes high and you have to go to the client, try to collect the money all of it up front. It's not like you can break it out. It's like, you have to collect all of it up front and the customer's like, no, I'm not paying that cancels the policy it's yeah. just annoying and it has to go into default and they have to go on collections and get the money it's just <laughs> it's just annoying it's just the whole process is annoying yeah so yeah you, you can save a lot of time up front a lot yeah. of hassle potentially down the road and then just as was the big thing is just kind of build or maintaining that trust with your clients and with your underwriters yeah especially with the underwriters is yeah i've seen when underwriters don't trust certain agents <laughs> because <laughs> when you need them like it's like nope I don't trust you it's... and um, what was I going to say well yeah I was going to say what was it like in the room then when that email went around like uh... everyone everyone's like looking at each other it's like oh my gosh it's like did that guy see it yeah everyone saw oh. it <laughs> yeah That's everyone saw it and then like ugh. she didn't include like on the email like but do trust certain agents and yeah. I 
But like, wow, it's it was bad. And then, but we say to ourselves, "Is this person saying that about me or something?" I'm like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. So what was so you you when you finally decided to leave your job, like what? Um, you're saying that you're you kind of you're getting home at late at night. You didn't really have time to really work as much time as you would like to work on the business. Yeah. So you make that decision. Like when you go into, you know, give your notice, what was that conversation like? Ooh, it actually, it was, it was crazy. So I'll give you the whole story. So I actually wanted to step down for like two months. Cause I just realized that working full time, doing this part time, was just too much. It's cause when you go to work, you give your best cause you're in sales. Like you have to meet your quota. And it's like, and plus you want to do it for your teammates too. It's like, cause your numbers impacts the directors as well. So you're doing your best, like grinding. And a lot of times I'm not leaving at six. I'm leaving like seven, eight. And then you come home, you're just like burned out. It's just like, you don't want to like write anything. You just don't want to send emails out. So I remember speaking to my team leader, like for like two months, I'm like, Hey, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm warning you. I'm, I might be stepping down soon. <laughs> He's like, all right, all right. But he knows, like, I say, but I don't do it to a he point knew that where... He, he knew that you had this thing on the side? Yeah, actually, he was one of the person I talked to about when I was suspended. So when I was suspended, he reached out to me. He's like, Marvin, how you doing? I'm like, I'm doing really well. But this is what I've been thinking about, especially coming back on the bus. Like, let me know what you think about this. He's like, oh, wow, this is really good. What about this feature? Add this feature. So I'm like, hmm. That's a good feature. I'm thinking about it. Hmm. I'm still thinking about that feature a little bit too. What's, he wants what us the to feature? pull. So the feature is actually pulling contractors' uh, licenses. Oh. So individuals who are like who need licenses, like contractors, lawyers, doctors, because in certain states they have databases where you can pull their license to see if it's valid, not valid. Especially with contractors, hmm. certain carriers want them to have licenses. Yeah, in Ireland, they have databases like that where you can check to see if they have, um, there's certain organizations that will sign off on all the contractors. Yeah. Yeah, so that's still a work in progress. Each state is so different. Mm. So we want to focus more on the states where we do the most business and then we'll work on it. Yeah, that's something we're still looking at right now. Cool. Because certain like, states, like, don't have APIs to connect with. It's just this bad. <laughs> yeah, and you have fifty of them to worry about. Yeah, yeah, fifty of them. Oh gosh, <laughs> especially this. No offense to like certain states in the south is not really the best. <laughs> yeah, New Jersey's not bad. New Jersey, New York is eh, iffy. But well, yeah, and then rise with New York. Ah, huh? uh, I mean, a little more. A little, New York is a little more tricky. They're not as open as New Jersey because New Jersey is just much easier. You just look at the public affairs. Mm-hmm. able to connect with them and then pull the data out. Like you have to think about New York is like the city is different from outside the state. So like the city is oh, much yeah. more easier, yeah. but like the state itself, is just a little more difficult. Yeah, of course. Yeah. New York isn't just Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually a huge state. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> actually really huge. huge. <laughs> yeah. Florida is really good. Uh, California, California is good too. Great. So you, so you have the MGA side of the business and the software side. Like, we, we, um, what's going on with each of them now? What are the what are your plans yeah. for each? So, of them? the MGA, I realize is like the hardest part. So, accident and insurance carrier to give you the pen is hard. In essence, that was like my main focus. Like after I spoke to that 
individual. He was like, he's head of like corporate development at a reinsurance company. I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this. So for the past like four or five months, like I haven't focused on software too, but I've been focusing more on the MGA side because the MGA side is much more, a little more lucrative because in essence, as an MGA, you take a percentage of the premium. And then if you do a really good job when it comes to underwriting, you can get like an underwriting bonus for the loss ratio. So just like speaking to carriers to give them the pen is ridiculously hard because I thought that, hey, I go to these insurance carriers. I have this software that allows you to validate your client. So we know that any client that we provide coverage to is going to be accurate. And it's like, uh, we're still not going to give you a pen. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm like, and I remember speaking to one particular uh, uh, carrier, I'm tr- Mesa, Mesa Underwriters. And they informed me like, Marvin, your software is great. Like we love it, but we're still not going to give you the pen. We want individuals who have expertise in certain classes. Like for example, New York contractors or people that deal with flood or basically you have an expertise that we do not have. And I'm like, interesting. Cause I was thinking about doing like the standard markets, like the general liability lines for lawyers, doctors, like restaurants, you name it. It's like, no, no, no. We're, it's, we, can, we can always do that already. But we need you to be a little more specialized. And, I, and then for the past month, I've just been like researching. It's like, what specialization can I get? Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking around. One thing about insurance is like very competitive. It's like there's a lot of agents out there. There's a lot of MGAs and a lot of insurance brokerage. And one thing I realized working at, my pre- at the previous company is that when clients came to us, Let's say they had claims, they had like any like financial distress, maybe came out of bankruptcy or just any type of financial distress that had inefficient like financial records. We declined them right away because if you, yeah, a lot of, especially the Medicare is like, no, no. So in essence, I wanted to have an MGA that helps those types of companies. So if you have claims, it should not be no insurance for you or no now you just start business. What if we're able to help you get coverage? <laughs> and yeah. then we, it's be more of like an advocate. So I love data science, like using data to make a case for them into why they should have insurance. And instead of having a four-year insurance, maybe they can be three months insurance and after three months, we evaluate it. It's just, just trying to find like nice ways to, not nice ways, but like creative ways to get them coverage. So yeah. Especially with individuals who have claims and financial distress. So that's where we're focusing on. So the steps are we taking now is just reaching out to MGA and to insurance brokers and asking, hey, do you have clients that have claims that are very difficult for you to get insurance or have financial distress? Let us help you get insurance. Yeah, and I can see, well, I can see an underwriter is, um, what's the word? Um, why an underwriter might be hesitant because they don't understand yeah. that part of the risk. But I think, I think one of the the most lucrative things you probably can do is exactly that: like going through yeah. your declines and trying to figure out well which, which risks aren't so bad or which risks do we just need to understand better, maybe yeah. to price better or to ex- change the 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 contract in a certain way. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's much. I was getting much more better outcomes than I did saying that, hey, we want to be 
and MGA for lawyers, for engineers. And like, there's 50 of them out there. <laughs> I remember one insurance carrier telling us like, oh my gosh, and especially the volume that you have to bring in. One is telling me you have to at least have like $10 million. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah. MGA is not easy. That's why it's not that many out there compared to like insurance brokers. Yeah, so, but if you can find that right, the right niche, niche um, yeah. yeah, you'll be great. Yep. And it's cool that you have the other side to your business as well, because it means that you're not just an insurance business. You know, you are yeah. a, um, the value of your company is worth more. It's not just your commission income, yes. you know, it's the, the, the value of the software as well. Yep, exactly. Um, cool. So last, last question, Marvin, like this time next year, what's happening? Yeah, so this time next year, I just see ourselves being, because we want to get to a certain level number of customers before we start going out raising the money, because I don't want to go and raise money not having traction, because that allows you, it gives you like a devalue, what do you call it, equity. Hmm. So I want to have to a certain level of customers that we have in mind, and then and then ultimately bring on a co-founder, because I just feel like doing it for myself is not the best. Even though I have, quote unquote, the sales background and the software background, I do want to bring on like another founder, more on the insurance background to help me out even more. That has the relationships to connect with like to certain brokers. Because cold calling, like emailing, is not the best. You always want somebody who has experience in the insurance industry. So hopefully have that co-founder on. Yeah, and then start going out and raising money. Because in order for us to get to a certain level, we need to market more. Like making videos, like legit like videos, like YouTube videos, where people like searching for insurance, by insurance, you, you see your video, like a nice story. Like we need to do a lot more marketing. So mm. cool. yeah, that's well, the goal next year. It's just like have raised money from major investors and just pursuing it full time. And pursuing, right. yeah, just that's great. It's exciting. Like, uh, yeah. uh, I'll check in with you next year. See how you're getting yeah. on. Yeah, it's gonna be great. I'm excited. It's like the traction we get in. Brilliant. It's gonna be good. Well, Marvin, um, co-founder or sorry, founder and CEO yeah. of um, Underwrite. Thank you uh, for uh, taking the time to chat to us. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Cool, man. Thank you. Mm-hmm.